Hello, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, college football fans across the nation and around the world. This is Tim May with a, yet another Tim May podcast. And as, as always, well, not always, because he's been <laughs> the last couple of weeks. My co-pilot's been on sabbatical, but he's back uh, this week. Uh, awesome. You know him as Austin Ward. Uh, awesome Ward, welcome back to the Tim May podcast. Welcome back into the cockpit, my man. It's great to be back. Uh, I've, I've missed it the last couple of weeks. Uh, I didn't even give you warning that I was going to be in Florida on the golf course last week. So hey. uh, I'm glad that you were able to fly it without me. Hey, I just fly, you know, I just, I just roll without you. I mean, I, I was able to bring in an able-bodied pilot who has some international experience, Bill Bender. So we <laughs> didn't get lost as we traversed uh, through college football and the comings and goings, uh, the workings. And we were already talking uh, a week ago about a 12, about this proposal, about a 12-team playoff, and then boom, all of a sudden they they re- revealed a little more detail about it. I'm talking about the college football playoff uh, committee did uh, later in the week, and so that kind of sat there on the shelf, you know, for the last couple of days, but, you know, I wanted to definitely talk about it today on this podcast. I've also got a, an interview uh, I did with Chris Spillman over the weekend when I was up at the uh, uh, the Detroit Grand Prix doubleheader weekend up on Belle Isle in the uh, Detroit River. But uh, he came by along with Dan Campbell. Dan Campbell was basically the gentleman start or the driver start your engines guy for race one there on Saturday. And Chris came by and, you know, it was like old home home week <laughs> with uh, Chris because I've known him since he was 18 and his picture was on the Wheaties box. You know what I mean? So uh, <laughs> I had a little conversation with him about just his new job and uh, how he sees his role there, but also about a little bit about college football and, and the name, image, and likeness thing that's coming around. But uh, we'll get to that later. I wanted you and I uh, to really get into this uh, proposal for a 12-team uh, college football playoff. If, in fact, it starts, it wouldn't start, I think, until 2023. I think I've got that right, right? Uh, when the current, uh, I think, contract runs out. But uh, just once they really threw it out there and made it public, what was just your your initial reaction? Then I'll give you mine. Uh, that even though they finally agreed that they needed to expand beyond four, that they still found a solution that I think will probably be the worst that they could have possibly looked at. I, I don't, <laughs> I don't understand it um, from a number of fronts. So when you say what was the first thing I thought of, the first thing I thought of was the correct answer was either eight or 16. Mm-hmm. And then they chose 12. Mm-hmm. Um, there are a lot of other components to this, a lot of reasons that I think that way. And that splinters off our conversation into a bunch of different directions. But for the first thing I thought of when I got the release down there and was reading it uh, on the beach in Florida, I was like, well, this, this sounds about right for these people that they would still know that they had to do corrections and then they would pick, I think, what, speaking for me, would be the worst possible solution. Yeah, you know, what stood out for me immediately uh, was 12, okay, that was like you, like you. That means four teams get a buy. It'll be according to their proposal. And, you're going to, you know, this these are all proposals right now. you got to figure this is like getting a bill through Congress. There are going to be addendums and uh, sweetheart and pork belly stuff added to it, you know, before it finally, because it's going through another – uh, hearing uh, this week, I think in Chicago, and then goes in front of the whole uh, guys that run the college football playoff, which are presidents of uh, major universities, uh, the next next week in Dallas. Um, but uh, but the bottom line is what what stood out number one is that it's it's the top four will have to be conference champions, and uh, it'll be the top four rated conference champions from the final college football playoff rankings. And uh, that leaves Notre Dame out. Jack Swarbrick, the, uh, the athletic director at Notre Dame, pointed out, you know, now nobody's going to uh, be criticizing them for being able to get in without playing a conference championship game. But, you know, the way I look at it, there are going to be quite a few, could be quite a few teams getting in without playing in a conference championship game the way it's proposed. But the other thing that stood out to me was, yes, you're going to have 12 teams, but there's going to be no limit on the number of teams that can come from one particular conference or one particular group of conferences. And so, you know, if you just did the math from last year's college football playoff, uh, final 12, 
uh, nine of the 12 were from Power Five conferences. And then you add in Notre Dame, which played pretty much in the ACC last year, obviously, uh, lost a conference championship game to Clemson. And that left who? Cincinnati and Coastal Carolina. So this idea about the, the, the trickle-down theory, there's not going to be a lot of trickle-down in this theory. And you got to figure, you know, when you look at the SEC, which had one, two, uh, one, two, three, four, four teams in that, uh, in that final 12, actually in the final nine, uh, the Big Ten had two. You know, the Big 12 had, what, two? But, I mean, bottom line is the, the power five, the rich are going to get richer in this deal because you got to figure it's going to be a negotiated a much more lucrative TV contract, et cetera, than they've got even now, right? Well, and that's also one of the, one of the I guess, two big hangups there, Tim, when we're talking about will it get through, when will it start in 2023? Well, <laughs> these people still continue to kowtow to the Rose Bowl and let them uh, be the fly in every ointment when they talk about the playoff and moving forward, yeah. which is just insane to me. It is, it's not, uh, you've been there more than I have. I've only been there once. It's not like the, this, this one thing, this crown jewel should hold up all the progress for the rest of college football. It's madness to me. Um, the TV part, I think, will be much easier because guess what? ESPN is going to get more inventory and they're going to sell more ads and there's going to be more attention from coast to coast because this 12-team format and all the conference champions being in ensures that the Pac-12, uh, which has had trouble getting into the four-team field, the Big 12, uh, which has come up short in a few of them, that the, the, every conference in the country has a chance to get in. Well, that's going to make the regular season more exciting and more um, more reason for fans to get invested. That means more money for ESPN. So I think they're sitting there saying, whatever you whatever you want to do, you're going to give us more games. Here's more money. That part's easy. But the fact that the college football, I don't powers that be, continue to, I don't. It's. I understand why bowls have propped up their whole system for the entirety of the sport, and there's money for everybody. But the, they don't need bowls anymore. We've you and I have talked about this before, and that they tried to squeeze bowl sites into the hosts for the ensuing you know quarterfinals, semifinals, and finals of this new college football playoff yeah. is is insane. They they they're not relevant anymore, and they don't need to be part of this system especially if that's going to make it more challenging to get the dates right so that you're not stepping on you know, toes with the NFL so that you can have the max amount of attention so that you can be done in time for players to make their decisions for the NFL. All these dozens of other reasons that I could just say, the college bowls don't need to be part of the playoff. They don't need to be part of college football at all anymore. Well, they are, Emil. Here's the thing, though. College football is based so much on what happened 50 years ago, 100 years ago, tradition, et cetera, right. you know, and, here's, you know, and they what they want to do is, like you said, they want to play the the uh, round of the first round of games will be at the higher rated or the higher seated um, teams five through 12 will be on their campuses. But they act like they can't play the next round on campus sites because the weather will be inclement. I go, you know, middle of December, <laughs> you know, there's no guarantee in the north, you're going to get a great, beautiful, 45 degree sunny day. You know what I mean? So the, they talk, they kind of like talking out of both sides of their mouth about um, about not being able to host the next round, the quarterfinal rounds. But the reason they're doing that is because they're propping, they're going to be propping up. Maybe not be the right word, but four bowl games. Uh, it is the, propping it up. Yeah, over the over the uh, New Year's New Year's Eve, New Year's Day, or maybe the day after New Year's Day. Uh, area are going to get those games, then I think the, uh, the semifinals, you know, I think are going to neutral sites, so to speak, whatever those are going to be, probably still be affiliated with some bowl games. And of course the championship game, which will be played right now, if they don't have buys in between January one, uh, the, then they still the earliest of championship games going to be played. It's going to be January 14, 15, somewhere in that area. Right. Uh, yeah. But what I really don't like, I really don't like four teams getting a bye. This isn't the NFL. Uh, you know, the top four teams, the, the best teams in their – the strongest teams in their estimation are all going to get buys. 
they still have to win three games now instead of two in, in this in this previous this old system, which has only been around since 2014. Uh, mm-hmm. But you know that that also plays into their hands. And you know, and it's funny because when we were talking to the guys on that on that on the uh, uh, teleconference when they announced this, there was almost like snickering going on. Well, you know, nobody's really going to probably end up playing four games, you know, because they, you know, well, you know, well, why are you inviting these other teams? Why not just go with eight, like you just said, and have everybody start out at least on equal footing. But going back to what you said, yeah, I mean, it's it's like you're building this new bridge or something, but you want to keep, you're talking about the bowl game deal, you want to keep parts of the old bridge as, as part of the new structure and it may not be suitable for supporting the new structure. I mean, I'm with you 100%, but, you know, they're slowly but surely blowing up the old bridge, right? <laughs> I mean, but, you know, and that's the problem is that I think that this is this is almost a half measure. Like, you can't keep doing this. 12 is not the right amount. You either like 8 or you like 16. That's not a compromise to go to 12 because, for one reason, it doesn't solve this, the problem – that college football just had, which was arguing over five power, five champions getting to four spots. Well, you're still going to have the same stupid, mindless debate about who's going to get the buys uh, yeah. because oh, yeah. you didn't account for all those leagues and that in that place, and it's an uneven playing field. But if you if you're looking at it from the perspective of, all right, well, you're just trying to get everybody on board so that someday you can get to 16. When I'm going to have this conversation, there's, it's already clear that four is not right, and we're going to deal with it for the next couple of years. And then you have this other half measure for some point down the future where you're probably going to go to 16. Like, what are you doing? I just don't. I they're just placating. They're placating. They're they're bowing a little bit to the pressure out there. And you know, the other thing, like Bill Bender and I talked about last week on the on, on my podcast, uh, you know, the national championship game featuring Ohio State and Alabama. Uh, the viewership from the year before dropped dropped like twenty seven percent. I mean, this these are the t- two of the greatest programs in college football history, for all by by any measure. And people were staying home because of the pandemic, but fewer people watched it. You know, by a percentage margin, which is really kind of incredible. They understand that they've got uh, something seems to be withering on the vine here. You know, and uh, so they're throwing. You know, it's like hunting for sharks, just throwing chum out in the water, hoping they get a shark here with this new format. And they might for a couple of years. But like you said, there's there's always going to be. See, I've always said there is more of an argument when you get to eight about who should be eight, number eight, than there is about when you go to four, who should be number four. There may be two teams or three teams who should be number four. You know, they're going to be. They're going to be 15 teams that think they should be number 12. Don't you agree with that? And number two, but the, you know they're they're going to take the top six conference champions. Uh, the top six conference champions are guaranteed a spot in in the field of, in the field of 12. So uh, and of course two of those will have to play in that first round uh, of playoffs. But yeah, I just think there's you know it's almost like you want to see it play out before you kind of make a judgment. But wow, this could really take them down a path of you're not coming back from. I mean, that's uh, see the reason I always like the bowls is the bowls did give teams a place to go and have a little bit of fun. If that's what you'll call it, their alumni, et cetera, to have a little bit of fun after a game. Cause you know, like last year, uh, I don't think there was that big an argument about who the top five or six teams were in the country at the end of the year. I don't think there's going to be an argument at the end of this coming se- or the end of the, the 2023 season, who the top four or five teams are. But you want inclusion. You want to placate people. And this is what you get when you do that. You get this sort of uh, playoff by committee. But, you know, and that's the question, Tim. Like, who are the people they're placating? They're placating the bowl organizers. Because the number one thing that I heard, you know, from people, um, you know, reaching out or asking me about what I thought about it last week was like, doesn't this ruin the regular season? Like, this doesn't help the fans because they want – the game to actually mean something. And so if you had stuck to eight, right. And yeah. six and guaranteed six spots, you have secured that it is meaningful to win your conference championship. And you almost cannot get in. You know, if there's only two at large spots, 
you have to win your league almost certainly if you're going to get in. Yes. Now, obviously, there would be the rare exceptions, just like there are now. But if you're trying to ensure the tradition and protect the integrity of the regular season the way that we've always known it in college football, the path to doing so was by not opening up six more at-large spots. It was to make it as hard as possible to get in without winning your conference, yeah. which which all that would have solved everything that they've talked about. Pac-12 can't get in? Fine. Here's your automatic bid. You don't have to worry about that. You can schedule aggressively, not aggressively. doesn't matter. You win your conference. Big 12, same deal. You've had problems. Here's your path in. Every game, you know, every from Texas, Oklahoma, all the way to the Big 12 championship game, everything will matter. Win the conference, you're in. You don't have to worry about a debate. It's clear. Here are the qualification standards. Bringing more selection committee, more numbers, more formulas. This is, I know that's part of the sport. Yeah. They had a chance to make this easy and they blew it. Hey. The final 12 last year in order were Alabama, Clemson, Ohio State, Notre Dame, Texas A&M, Oklahoma, Florida, Cincinnati, Georgia, Iowa State, Indiana, Coastal Carolina. Who's missing from that list? Pac-12. Pac-12, okay. You know what I mean? I mean, yeah. and, and you're right. I mean, the, the solution of eight, that gives you – you go with the six top – six – top conference champions, which would include the Pac-12, you got to figure, you know, I mean, I mean, if you're going to go with six, if you follow my drift, uh, would have included Cincinnati. Then you would have had at two at-large spots to give away to like last year. It would have been, uh, what, Texas A&M and Florida. I mean, you know, SEC gets and, richer. And you're and talking richer. about, and two, like, so you said number five was A&M, right? Yeah. They, they, yeah. So, no, excuse me. I left out a thing there. Notre Dame would have had to have been in this current, uh, in the current, in the rules they proposed, Notre Dame would not have been in because, okay. you know. So, let's uh, say, so, so Notre Dame is number five in this scenario, let's say. Yeah. yeah. And people are complaining that there's blowouts in the semifinals and they want to see yeah. Notre Dame against Coastal Carolina. Yeah. Help crown a national champion. I'm, I'm sorry. Yeah. Coastal Carolina was a fun team to watch. Great story. We also know that Notre Dame wasn't equipped to compete at the highest level. So what are we achieving by having Coastal Carolina go play in South Bend in December? Yeah. What has that accomplished? Uh, Nothing. Uh, it spreads the wealth, man. It spreads the wealth. Hey, what, what do you think? You know, I'm just thinking I haven't actually gotten to talk to Ryan Day, ask him about this. But, uh, you know, the bottom line is the way I look at it is no matter what, you've added another game, another high-level game, I'm talking about quarterfinals to a path to a national championship after you will have already played, for example, Ohio State uh, will have played in a Big Ten championship game. Alabama will have played in the SEC championship game. And then you've got three more games you've got to win to win the national championship. Uh, I just I I'm, I'm telling you, I just look at the wear and tear, man, you know, on, on college football players and, you know, and well, only, uh, you know, I'm, I'm getting into my committee member voice. Well, only, uh, you know, the only two teams will play an extra three games or, well, you could have two teams, I guess, play an extra four games. You know, they, they, they don't think those teams from the uh, first uh, eight, you know, the first round of eight, which would be five through 12 playing each other. I think they don't even think those guys have a shot to win the national championship, but theoretically you could have a college football team two years from now play 17 games get beaten that last one because they got beat up, you know, on the way to the championship. And uh, and what did you get out of that except participation, you know? But uh, I don't know. It, 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 on paper, I, I don't mind – I wouldn't mind seeing an eight-team playoff because that's what you're kind of ending up with right now. You got these buy, you got these uh, buys, et cetera, and you got these uh, uh, these first-round games. But the, t- the games that are going to matter are going to be played on January 1, you know, in right. my opinion. So – why not just jump right to that? Because you've got a you've got a ranking system that would allow you to get there. Well, and the part that I think we're looking at this from the team that we've covered for a long time, and how does we've this seen them get play? beat up? Yeah, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, they're going to play a lot of games. We know that that's hard on them because they're they're under this format. 
it's almost unthinkable that Ohio State wouldn't qualify for the playoff. Right. Obviously, things can happen and things change. But the way that they're set up right now, they're not ever going to miss the top 12 for the foreseeable future. Okay, so you have those games built in. And, and what does that mean? Well, it means that the rivalry game in November probably not going to be highly relevant the way that it used to be, other than the bragging rights. And I'm, I'm not dismissing any of that part of it, sure, but in terms sure. of the national championship rates, no longer really going to be that important. Um, maybe it would be for Michigan as they try and you know turn the tide a little bit, but uh, Ohio State is going to be in position almost certainly one way or the other. Um, so that's why I think we heard a lot around Columbus that, well, this diminishes the regular season. And for Ohio State, I think it will. For Alabama, it definitely will. For Clemson, same situation. Um, but for, like we said, Oregon or um, Texas Tech, I don't know, just pull them out of, their, out of a hat, you know, those teams have a much greater shot. Yeah. Uh, for, for Iowa, for Penn State, this might be a lot more relevant for them and make the regular season more interesting. So it, that's the fascinating dynamic is that, for the powerhouse programs like Ohio State, uh, like Alabama, like Clemson, you know, this does help them continue to compete for national championships. But you're robbed of something a little bit on the other side, which is also why the Buckeyes are, scred- are scheduling as aggressively as they, as they are non-conference so that they, they can remain maybe some fan interest when they're going to lose it probably during the Big Ten season. But that's the weird part for this is this is probably better for the overall strength of college football and not quite as uh, positive yeah. for the best teams. Yeah. You know, and uh, they made that point, you know, the committee guys made that point that uh, this keeps a lot more teams in it. Uh, a lot more conference, you know, several more conferences are going to be in it in uh, late October and November. Whereas, you know, let's, let's face it, Ohio state plays Oregon second game of the year, this coming season, uh, the loser of that of that game, is, is going to have a tough road to hope to, to make the final four. I mean, it's going to be a long ways away, but one more loss by either one of those teams uh, after it lost in that, in that second game of the year, and they're out of it. You know, I mean, uh, no matter if they – probably even if they go on and run, run the table and win their conference championship. So, uh, you know, I can understand that kind of thinking. But it's also basically <clears> – it's <throat> going back to what you, your original premise was – on the one hand, they're trying to still protect the bowl game. See, they're saying uh, right now, I think the proposal is that if you lose in that first round of uh, five through 12, you can probably still go play in a bowl game. Okay, we've already seen the desertions by players whose teams didn't make the college football playoff, right? Uh, it's gotten – seems to be increasing year to year. And now, I mean, what do you – I mean, it could, it could be a game plank they have to use, you know, as these guys exit to uh, – protect themselves from the draft or whatever you want to call it. Right. I mean, that's kind of like really going to be interesting, but you're still going to have bowl games teams possibly going to bowl games after losing in that first round. I mean, we'll see how this goes, but that, that will not happen. That and, far-fetched. I think, and I think the COVID year is an indication of that. Yeah. Obviously it was unique and there were a lot of challenges, but the fact that entire programs were saying in advance, it's not worth it to go to a bowl game when the whole you know, previous 50, 75 years iteration of the bowl system was, hey, you get to go get some extra practices. Young guys get reps. Yeah. You get one more game. It's a reward. Like, that would have been a year. We'd be like, hey, you get to go on vacation. And I know that you still had to go through testing and all that stuff. There, there are other factors, but it's not just players that are opting out of these bowl games. It's entire programs that are like, they're losing money. They have to guarantee the number of tickets and go travel and bring along boosters and pay for people to go to places that they might not want to go to They're for programs. They are losing endeavors. They don't want to be part of that anymore. And I can't understand why there's that disconnect. Again, I can't understand why it's money, but the schools themselves and the players are no longer interested in that because they're focused on the playoff in the national championship. This is the system and the path they chose. They needed to take it honestly because of all the problems that, uh, the, the old system already had. Yeah. This this is the new reality. And as you said with the bridge, you can't keep trying to force what happened, what worked in 1975 into 2021. It doesn't fit here anymore. It doesn't work. And you got to let it go. Yeah. <clears throat> that sounds like a, a line from Top Gun. 
but I digress. Uh, yeah, the, yeah. It's it to me. It's really intriguing. Uh, also, that uh, what wasn't brought up, and it was I think I think it was asked on the teleconference. I can't remember the answer, but uh, I mean I can't remember exactly how it was played. But you know, if you ask a college football player to conceivably play four extra games at high level because this these will be high level games i mean you know five versus 12 is going to be a hell of a football game uh slobber knocker i think is the word that uh, hayden fry might have used uh but the bottom line is um there's got to be remuneration i think very much talked about between now and 2023 uh for the players the higher you go maybe the more you should share right in in the proceeds i mean I don't think that why, – why would that be hard to do? Uh, yeah, I don't think it would be. Give me a reason why that would be hard to make happen instead of going through the gift suite. <laughs> that gift suite, ladies and gentlemen, or, or one of these players <clears throat> get to, quote, go through the gift suite, end quote, before some of these major bowl games and pick out little prizes or, you know, Xbox, the latest iteration of Xbox or – Place, do they still make PlayStation? Is PlayStation made a revival? I can't remember. Yeah, yeah, yeah but anyway, uh, just give give them outright, you know, $2,000, $2,500, $3,000 participating. Go ahead. Yeah, well, you want to, the reason, the only reason I can think of is that the bowl executives who were cashing million-dollar checks to organize one game a year, uh, you know, that would come out of their pocket. They don't get to get rich anymore. I, I I just don't – I think it's going to happen, by the way. I think it's going to happen. There's going to be a yeah. lot of pressure between now and 2023 for that to happen, but go ahead. It, it has to. It has to. Like, I mean, the Bulls served a, a great purpose, I guess, for a long time. But throughout, you know, my career and being around players and coaches in the games and then going to some of these lower-level bowl games when I covered a different program, like, they're, you know, they're, yeah. they're rackets. You know, and if you want to give uh, television inventory, fine, do it. Do it in the playoff. Do it with things that people want to watch. Like, it's not even worth – I know people will watch the Boca Raton Bowl, but it, it's like a 1.2 rating in a million households. Like, you can do a lot better than that. Well, I am, um, boy, I am really in a minority. I mean, because I, I watch almost every bowl game. I, I like watching football. And, I, you know, but that one – I don't you, think – I don't think you're going to – like. As a diehard college football fan, yeah. you know, I wouldn't say that that's a minority, but the ratings for those games are reliant on people betting on it. And, you know, they're not even yeah. outdrawing, you know, regular season NFL games. Obviously, they're getting dwarfed by that. Um, yeah. You know, I, I don't have all that, in, but they're not like getting buku ratings or making people a ton of money. They're just filling a spot on the calendar where ESPN didn't have something to show on December 15th. Yeah. So, uh it's kind of like the Barker used to hear at the, at the racetracks, you know, I mean, uh, they're at the gate, you know, Cornella wagering next race. Don't get shut out. You know, <laughs> I mean, uh, that, that is, that you got to get that idea, but this is what's really funny is what's well, not. I think it was, have, yeah. 20,000 people going to these games. They're not going. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, that's what I was going to get to. That's what Dan Wetzel, I think brought up you know, to them arguing the idea that first and second round games in this new format, why aren't they, why aren't they at, uh, college sites because number one, the atmosphere, even if you played, you know, they started talking about, you know, South Bend in, in December, like I said, you know, laughing about it. And I'm going, well, South Bend in the middle of December, you know, how much better is you have more of a chance of getting a big snowfall then, you know, we've seen that. And, you know, I know, I know I talked about that earlier on the, on the podcast here, but the bottom line is uh, one of the guys shot back. I mean, you know, if, if you're a fan of, say Ohio state and you think it has a chance to get to the championship game. Well, that's a lot of money just to get to that game. I'm talking about if you're going to travel, stay in the overpriced hotels at that point uh, and, and the higher priced uh, uh, air travel or, or if you're like me, you drive everywhere. But, uh, but the bottom line is, you know, you're not going to spend money on those first two rounds. Just remember we saw that with Alabama when they played Ohio state back in 2014, uh, and, the, and one guy said, well, we have this little thing, uh, and I'm paraphrasing and probably making it worse than it sounded, but we have this little thing called a television, you know, that you can sit in your living room. And I go, wait a minute. So 
this guy even admitted that this is a this is a made for TV format. Uh, the fan, yeah, he matters or she matters, or but wow. This, this is inventory. There's a clamor out there for a more interesting college football playoff postseason situation, and by golly, they're going to deliver one. That, that really kind of got cut right to the heart of the matter. Yeah, and it's another reason that there's an extra round that doesn't belong there. With, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. That's just, you know, I, I can't say that I'm surprised by it. You know, I've been – watching these people make bad decisions for a really long time. And I understand why they make them, but I just, I can't, I will not be convinced that adding in this hypothetical Notre Dame coastal Carolina game would have really enhanced the product would have solidified in the people's minds. This was a true champion because that game existed. I mean, I, I don't, I don't see it adding anything other than another game to watch and people may be hoping that a Cinderella story happens, but you know, I don't yeah. want to rain on that parade, but coastal Carolina is not going to beat Notre Dame, Ohio state, Alabama, Clemson all in a row. That's just all not going to happen. Yeah. They've made it. They've made it more open. They've made it maybe, maybe established a, a pathway for the other five, you know, although, you know, top five, I mean, theoretically, you could have one of those uh, conference champions be one of the top four uh, from the other than Power Five group. I always forget what their nickname is. And uh, now you got the Autonomy Five. I mean, uh, yeah. wow, that's pretty funny. Uh, I know it's been around for a little bit, but uh, I think it's starting to catch on a little bit. But but the bottom line is, I mean, yeah, the, the, yeah, yeah, you can join. Yeah, you can be in this. But boy, look at this stairway you must climb to get to the championship, you know, and uh, watch out for the little punching things that come out from the side, you know, kind of like a, uh, that little show, whatever that show, Ninja Warrior show, whatever it is. But, uh, hey, uh, the last thing, just in your mind, what do you think these games will be? What do you think this, if it does happen, and you got to figure it's going to happen in some form or fashion, what do you think it'll be worth? I mean, what do you think it'll be worth to, to the college uh, uh, programs out there? Uh, in terms of the broadcast deal, yeah, or, just yes. I mean, what I mean, are we talking mega billions? Are we talking mega. a few billion? What are we talking about? Yeah, I think so. What was the NCAA tournament basketball deal? I believe with CBS was for 1.7 billion, somewhere around there. Yeah, I mean, and people love March Madness and everybody stops for that, but they don't watch college basketball much for the rest of the year. People watch college football at an extremely high level. Yeah. And so to bring in the entire country uh, to hopefully maybe have a USC or get back in the mix and then get L.A. interested again, I I think that the possibility there will send this skyrocketing. You know, I'm not I'm not an expert at that when it comes to the dollars and cents. But if we're using the basketball tournament as a baseline and there's way more games, so I know that it's not a perfect comparison, but you look at what ESPN you know, paying huge amounts for one Monday night football game a week. Um, you know, I, I forget what it is per week, but I think it it might be close to, you know, a billion dollars for that, right? I mean, I, I think that that's what they're paying the NFL to do that. I've got yeah. to think it's got to be in that ballpark. And so, again, that's, what, that's when we've talked about this the whole time. We haven't even been dancing around it. Money is driving this whole conversation more than what they talked about in their – Feel good press release oh, yeah. that not enough student student athletes were getting the opportunity to compete in the playoff. Uh, you know, yeah, sure. well, they, that's what I'm saying. I, I'm sure they dipped their toe into that into that pool big time before they even came up with this idea of twelve. You know, and the reason you come up with the idea of twelve instead of sixteen, what if Coastal Carolina upsets Alabama? You know, in the first round of sixteen. Yeah, <laughs> uh, hamana, hamana, hamana. But then, like I said. <laughs> He had Ohio State and Alabama advanced to the championship game last year, and the viewership was off by 27% when nobody was could go to the stadium except guys like me and you, <laughs> you know, and a few parents. So I think they're they're really, man, I don't know if the door is closing. I mean, I don't know if the door is closing or if it's just kind of going back and forth on uh, possible denouement of people really caring about, you know, college football national championship, except, you know, 
people are very much involved. Like I told you a long time ago, you know, Andy Geiger said uh, college football is a very much regional sport, you know, and uh, when your team's not in it, you know, you just you, sometimes you don't, you know, it's kind of like when the Columbus Blue Jackets fall out of the uh, or don't make the NHL playoffs. I haven't watched a whole game in the NHL playoffs since, you know what I mean? So you, it, it, you're trying to make a national or international a product that maybe is more regional in scope than anything else. And, uh, you know, it is re- – I mean, the SEC region does root for his team just like the Big Ten region does. But past that, does somebody in Idaho really care? You know, I think that's what they're kind of coming to grips with. Agreed? Yeah. And one of the one of the reckonings, as we've talked about, with, you know, attendance problems elsewhere in the country. Again, a lot of this stuff doesn't apply to Ohio State. When, yeah. when people are worried about engagement in the Pac-12, you know, or the western part of the country, the viewership dipping there – and you look at Columbus for metered markets and the fact that 100,000 people are at every game, like, okay, college football is extremely healthy in, in Columbus, and it always will be. Yes. There, there has been declining attendance elsewhere, even within the Big Ten. And, you know, I was got to – I keep using them as an example. They've been a team that would have, you know, in a 12-team playoff, they would have got in, they would have played. So how are you going to promote that fan engagement for the future – college kids because you know I, I can't imagine that they're that interested in the pinstripe bowl these yeah. they're not traveling the you know the students aren't traveling to it there's no reward you know if you don't attach stakes to it i don't think anymore there's reason to get invested in it right you're yeah. fighting for attention with all these other things and you know we're not gonna you know sound like as old as we are to talk about the things that they're interested in but you know the way to make sure that they're engaged is put a playoff in place where your team might qualify yeah. guess what then you start following the team and you get into it and you're like, all right, well, here's the stakes this week. And, and you actually make a playoff. Well, that's going to stick in your mind. You're going to want to see that again and again and again, and maybe it won't always happen, but you have to plant those memories for people to care about it. That already exists at Ohio state that already exists at Alabama. It already exists at Clemson, Oklahoma, Georgia, you know, they're aware of, of the path and how you compete for national championships and that they can easily get there. Well, that just frankly hasn't been the case for a lot of other places. And you have to pay attention because you're going to have to fill the stadiums into the future. You're trying to fix the, the, the flagging interest on television, which I think there can be other factors in that. It's that last year's game was a blowout and there was the fatigue from news cycle and all that, you know, that's not yeah. my forte either, but this problem, it didn't just show up for college. oh no it's been it's been going yeah and that's you know that's why that's why you end up getting a playoff of bcs you know and then a college football playoff and right on down the line you know it'll be interesting 30 years from now what they're doing you know maybe they just start the season as a playoff <laughs> the, one, the one thing i think tim that uh before i let you i give it over to chris spielman there is that it's just mind-blowing that we're talking about eight or 16 like 16 was already in place for ncaa football right and t- we're already playing 15, 16, 17 games at that level. Like this has been available to them, a blueprint for so long. And the fact that the highest level of football refused to go along with it when it was already working elsewhere, people at the FCS level, I can tell you, they love it. Yeah. You know, you know how to get there. You know, you win a conference championship. There are some at large spots, but, and I know that a couple of teams have dominated um, you know, at the you know, winning championships there, North Dakota State specifically, but it's clear and people like it. Yeah. Well, huh. Why yeah. not? Try, I, I just, no, it's I called, know. it's called ditto. You're supposed to yeah. go ditto, but you know, right. it's like, you know, I understand rewarding the top, the top four teams, top four conference champions. I understand a reward, but the reward would be you play number, you play number 16, you know, you don't, you don't sit at home. You get to play a home game. Yeah, yeah. Maybe it's maybe it's so that Alabama and Ohio State can better scout a team they have no idea about. They get to watch them play a game with everything on the line the week two weeks before. I mean, I always believe everything is built to feed uh, to feed the big guy. But go ahead, though. And Tim, that that part you talked about the pageantry and the quarterfinal sites because they're talking about the quarterfinals and the semifinals, six games conveniently the six hosts that are already part of the college football playoff. If you want people to, you know, who may not have watched college football their whole life, they're a casual viewer. Let's say if you're trying to bring them into college football, 
not playing a game in the horseshoe or not having a game in Bryant-Denny, forget about the fact that Ohio State would make millions if they're not going to get, if they're a top four seed, you know, the reward is the buy. Uh, I think Gene Smith would take the reward of playing one more game in the horseshoe and making $10 million selling out that game in two seconds and then putting the best damn band in the land and, you know, every, you know, the student section rocking and putting that on TV. I think he'd rather take that than, you know, can I decline the buy and just play Coastal Carolina here and let fans go to the horseshoe? I mean, that's a reward for them. To take that away from the quarterfinal, from the top four teams, when they're the ones that have some of the best atmospheres already? (laughs) Yeah. Come on. Yeah. Best venues, best atmospheres. But that's not where college football is headed. I know. According to the steering group, steering committee. Well, (laughs) hey, uh, speaking of steering, uh, that's a good segue. I was up at the the, uh, Detroit Grand Prix doubleheader weekend for the IndyCars. They also ran an IMSA race up there. But – but uh, the bottom line was uh, the starter, the official gentleman or driver start your engines call came from Dan Campbell, the new head coach of the Detroit Lions. But tagging along with him was Brad Holmes, the, the new the general manager up there, and also a guy named Chris Spillman, who uh, <clears throat> I pulled aside uh, and had a had a few minutes with. I mean, everybody knows Chris Spillman uh, from his good old days at Ohio State, All-American days at Ohio State, went on to the NFL, played for a long career with the Detroit Lions. I think it was with the Browns for a little bit, et cetera. But, uh, you know, he got hired at the end of the year last year as basically a special assistant with the Detroit Lions to pretty much kind of like be an observer, uh, be an inside worker from the standpoint of uh, helping develop a, a winning culture up there. And, uh, you know, without further ado, let's get to my little interview with him because it was pretty interesting. And, uh, and he didn't, like I said, go into great detail when I asked him about being the uh, – the first real name image and likeness guy I can remember from college football when he was on the Wheaties box in 1984, but before uh, when he was coming out of high school at Maslin and you know, before he signed with Ohio state. And uh, I just, well, we'll come back and we'll talk about that a little bit, but uh, without further ado, here's my little brief interview with Chris Spielman. Chris Spielman. Uh, welcome to the Tim May podcast. Yeah, this is gonna be, yeah. What do you know, man? But I want to ask you, uh, uh, what have you learned about yourself just over the last six months working for the Detroit Lions now as a special assistant? Um, I, I guess um, the one thing that I learned was that I have pretty good insight into who I am and what I am in that sense that I knew that I'm not qualified to be a coach or I know I'm not qualified to be a general manager, but I am qualified and to help know what it looks like when I see it. And yeah. so... Uh, I guess humility in a sense and also that how much I missed being part of a team and having winning and losing on the line. Yeah. I mean, you've observed football your whole life, number one. Number two, even when you were in the talk show business, you were observing and stuff. But like you are pointing out, there's a big difference between observing and being in the midst of it, right? I mean, what is it you miss most? Just the, the planning, the camaraderie? The... I, I, I think it's winning and losing, yeah. right? And, yeah. and working very hard to achieve something. And, you know, I go back to the, the uh, man in the arena quote that's one that a lot of people live by, right? Yeah. At least if you fail, fail out there and greatly so you won't be amongst the cold, timid souls that don't know the difference between victory or defeat. And so you got to take your shots when you have them. And the opportunity came up and it happened so fast. Like it happened within four days. Yeah. And, uh, and I just, I've always been a guy that if I had a shot, I took it and never looked back. When you look at it right now from the inside out, how difficult is it to build an elite NFL football team? Well, I, I think it's it's really difficult. First, you have to find the quarterback, right? And we'll yeah. see if we have one in, in Jared Goff. Then uh, I think offensive line is always important. Uh, but it's it's getting guys to the, the key. And I've talked to Coach Campbell about yeah. this. And the key is, I think, uh, from my perspective, when you have a true NFL team is when those guys play for each other as opposed to just playing for themselves. And when they start playing for each other and they have a fear, not of the opponent, but a fear of letting their teammates down, that's when you get the best teams. Now there's obviously lots of things that go into that. Oh yeah. yeah. Well, I once heard Bill Belichick talk at the Ohio State 
high school, yeah. I mean, Ohio State University football clinic. And he said one of the toughest things to do is to get 90 guys or 85 guys in a preseason camp all being fighting for the team, yet you know half of them are going to be gone. Right. I mean, that is a trick, isn't it? Yeah, and I think that's, I mean, that's where a guy like Coach Campbell, who's a great communicator, yeah. and a guy like Brad Holmes, our general manager, that understands uh, what good teams look like. And so they know how to build that, yeah. and that's what they were hired to do. All right, last thing I wanted to ask you, because I've been wanting to ask you this for several weeks now, name, image, and likeness is about to become players are going to be able to take advantage of in college football. Everybody remembers you on the Wheaties box, but you got nothing for it, right, except some maybe extra Wheaties boxes. But what is this going to do to college football, in your opinion? Is it going to be a good thing for players? I mean, how would you describe it? I think it's a good thing, and I think there's, I've always stated, even when I went through my experience a couple years ago, I've always stated that it can be a win-win for everybody. Now there's smarter people than I that can figure that out, but common sense tells you that everybody can win off of this deal. Yeah. Uh, can I ask one last thing, you know, sure. small, my calling card. What would it be if you didn't say one last thing or another one? <laughs> you spent more years with the Lions than you did the Buckeyes. Yeah. Right? I mean, uh, where, where does a football player leave his heart? You know, if you follow my drift. I think you leave it everywhere you play, yeah. like masculine, I mean. So, I think that the best thing that I do, the best thing for me, is that I've had this ability or, or blessing that wherever I am, that's who I am, yeah. and I'm all in. And that's always been the case with me, whether it was from being growing up in Canton and being, and being a Mastin Tiger. I was all in on Mastin, all in on the Buckeyes, all in on Detroit, all in on Buffalo. I went to Cleveland for training camp, yeah. all in. I was a Brown. And so, I don't know if everybody can do that, but I somehow was able to just transition really quick to what I'm in. Because if I'm investing me into it, I'm going to be part of it and own it. Ladies and gentlemen, the one and only Chris Spillman. <laughs> yeah, it's true. Thank you, my man. All right, brother. Thanks. Hey, man. always love my little whatever moments it is with Chris Spillman because he, he always leaves you with some kind of thought one way or the other. You know, a little inspirational uh, phrase he had in the middle of that interview was interesting. But, you know, let's just get right to the uh, point here, Awesome. Uh, I talked about the – Chris Spillman being on the Wheaties box, he was already a marketable character way back coming out of high school. What would what would he be looking at in a name, image, and likeness atmosphere? Wow. Um, that's a, no, I hit you sideways with that. Sorry. Couple, couple hundred thousand dollars a year, maybe. Yeah. I mean, and that's, you know, nothing to scoff at. Certainly not when you're still in college. And, you know, I, I think I've been maybe a little more uh, – you and I both have talked about this where, with businesses not wanting to just fork over cash left and right to uh, recruits at least and certainly and not every 18 to 21 year old roster at the college football ranks but certainly if you know it right and you have that name recognition uh, there's going to be opportunities for that and you know I don't know like Chris Spielman to me has never been like the most relentless self-promoter he's very good at, at what he does but I don't like see him trying to court controversy or, or views on social media. And that's where I think a lot of the money is going to come from, uh, honestly, down the road. But, I mean, you're talking about the, the best maybe defensive player in the country at that time. There's certainly going to be some opportunities for you to uh, – Yeah, but he was – I want to tell you something, man. Back, back then, I think you were one year old when he when he signed with Ohio State, right? In 1984, how old were you? Yeah, one. See, I mean, he was, he was a big name, huge name. Everybody knew who he was. There was a battle between between Ohio State and Michigan just to get him, you know. Uh, and I, I just keep going back. You know, people think just because of the social media uh, and the widespread media now that p- players are more are more well known than ever, and that is not the case. I mean, Chris Billman was a national figure even as a freshman. Joe Namath, when you I was a little kid growing up in Alabama, when he showed up at Alabama from Pennsylvania, you know, and uh, and then 62, 63, 64 was their starting quarterback. He could, have, he could have almost run for governor. I mean, he was that popular. And uh, the popularity of – I think in some in some respects, some of the popularity of major college football players has been diluted by so much media uh, availability now in the, the social media realm of things. And uh, But, yeah, Chris Billman, Chris Carter, when he came along, same year, 19, uh, 1984, they, they, they would have commanded some type of like, if not anything else, 
autograph sessions. They could have lined up out the door because people would have lined up to get them. And uh, so it's just interesting that uh, the new wave of players is going to benefit from it. But, you know, you still got to work on. And I, th- I think Chris did a pretty good job of perpetuating the Chris Spillman legend dur- during that time. He wasn't overt about it, but he, he had a way, you know, about him that uh, he said the right things, man. It made people kind of think football player, run through wall kind of dude, you know, and uh, people, people love that, you know, they still love that. But uh, uh, I think he would have been as high as anybody else on the marketing value uh, during that realm. It would have been interesting to watch, but uh, yeah, I'm just, I'm curious to see if this bill gets through a state legislature in time for July one, you know, the big, you know, the NCAA is now fretting about it because of course they're still sitting on their hands because they're waiting for a national bill We've seen what national bills, uh, like I said, the pork that's added to these national bills. What do you think? Uh, time's running out here, right? There, I mean, if they're waiting for a federal bill, that's just not going to happen. I mean, yeah. I, I don't know. I don't know any other way to say it. My my prediction would be there will not be one on July one, and we're going to have some extended period of chaos. I think there's a good chance that everything will be in place in Ohio. Um, you know, they're not going to let the, the Buckeyes fall behind here uh, to also cut to the chase there. And Think fall about behind. what these bills are saying, though. These bills, real quick, these bills are saying they're having to pass basically a law that says when you're in college and you're playing sports in college and your own scholarship, that you will still have the right to go out and make money on your own name. They're, they're, isn't, it crazy? Dude, isn't it crazy that they have crazy. To I had Luke Fedlamon and we were talking about, I said, why does there have to be a law? About the reason you know there's there has to be a law because it will keep the NCAA from not allow, allowing you to do that. It's more about telling the NCAA what it can't do. You know that's what people are getting lost on this thing. I mean, that's this is a crazy time we live in, and uh, you know, yeah, it, it was it never be right from day one to go market yourself. It was never illegal. You right. just play for the NCAA. It's against their rules. Right. And, you know, and, and organizations have rules for reasons. I mean, even the NFL has rules of what you can and can't do to a certain extent. But it's, it's crazy, man. And uh, just to get some basic rights, sometimes you got to go and, you know, and <laughs> bang on it. But uh, that's the way it is. Ladies and gentlemen, uh, we come to the end of another Tim May podcast. And I appreciate Awesome Ward rejoining me after a sabbatical. You can tell he's been – he was fresh. He was eager. He's ready to go. Did I describe that correctly? Awesome. Recharged. All right, man. Well, until next week, we'll see you then.